interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Send it in, Jerome! Hit it! Here's a little gangster short inside the t-shirt Levi's. Let's talk some basketball. Welcome to Heat Check on this Wednesday night from the Bill Austin Radio Studio here in downtown Phoenix. Hi, everyone. Kevin Malater here with Scott Sinuli, Ryan Sakura, <laughs> and we got two friends of the program in studio today, Ryan Perico and FHU. Gentlemen, welcome to the in-studio version of Heat Check. Wow. It's March. Slap the floors, right, Scott? <laughs> God. Let's, I want to hear from Ant. What's it like to be here, Ant? Well, it's pretty cool, you know. Um, just hearing stories about Scott talk about Heat Check all the time. Um, I don't know. It's pretty cool just to talk basketball, especially with, like, all you guys. I know you guys, like, you guys are my friends, so. Do <laughs> you hear that? that was... I'm friends... We're friends with Anthony. I love that. That's amazing. And yeah. you know what else was amazing? That buzzer beater down in Tucson on Saturday that kept a season alive for a bubble team. We'll start talking about bubble ball. Arizona State on the road takes down the seventh ranked team in the country. Happens to be their rivals, and it happens to keep their season alive and maybe even keep Bobby Hurley's job. I don't know. We'll talk about that more. But, Scott, let's start with you. You were there in Tucson. Yeah, so personal experience being there. So... When they went down 10, like in the second half of eight minutes or so, a bunch of the reporters around me, you know, started getting their recaps going. And I was pretty close to it myself. But team kept fighting. ASU made shots on Saturday like they have not all season. It was unbelievable the amount of tough shots that they were making. And then when it came down to the end of it, when DJ Horn missed a three with about five seconds left, that was the one shot they needed to make, and then they didn't. So I thought the game was over. I was ready to... Put in my lead, valiant fight, didn't get there, and it was like an out-of-body experience, Desmond Cambridge making that shot. It was like I was tracking the ball the whole way, and it looked short to me, mm. but kept tracking, kept tracking, falls through the net, and I had a video of it, and if you saw, yeah, my, you did. If you saw yeah, my Twitter, I literally just dropped my phone and went nuts. So, it Scott, was unbelievable. what you're telling me, right, you didn't start, you're a true Sun Devil through and through. You didn't start your gamer, right? No, I didn't. That's so tough. Because you, you knew? Gamer. Did you know? Did you, it's you not see it coming? He's like LeBron. It's not that I knew. Like So the way I kind of thought of it was like once they get it to like 15 here, that's mm-hmm. when I can start yeah. here. And the guy's high as 10. Okay. The guy's high as 10. So, I mean, hey, true and tried and true Sun Devil, Scott Sanduli. Do they have... What do they have to do? Lay it out for me, Mr. Bracketologist. New Jerry Palm, because we don't stand Joe Lenardi. So, looking at ASU's remaining schedules, they have UCLA on Thursday, USC on Saturday, yep. and then one guaranteed game in the Pac-12 tournament. If they win any of those two, they're in. Well, it doesn't there's matter. three of them, but they got to win two of those three. Is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah. If they win any of the two, they are in. But the way they can get in with... I feel like they need two more wins to get in. So if they lose to both UCLA and USC, it's going to take a run to the Pac-12 final. But should they get one against USC or UCLA and lose the other, they're going to need to win their first round game in the Pac-12 tournament, and that would likely give them, I don't want to say that would put them safe, but it would certainly help, help them out. So if they win against, let's just say they go one and one in Los Angeles this weekend. It depends right? who they beat, though. If they no, beat no. UCLA, they are in no matter what. Really? I don't care. I don't care if they okay. beat UCLA, they're in. I, I, I can get behind that. Yeah. Um. Now, but my point is, like, if they go one and one and they beat the team they're supposed to beat and they lose to the team they're supposed to lose to, that is, win over the Trojans, lost to the Bruins. How do they set up? in the Pac-12 tournament? Because I know they need some help around. Oregon's got to lose some games. Yes. Oregon looks like pretty much a, 
a lock at home this week to yeah. win two. Stanford or, and Cal. Oregon is at home for Stanford and Cal. I can't imagine. I think Stanford can give them a game, but I don't think they'll lose Not either Eugene, of them. Yeah. And so that'll give Oregon the four. So that'll put ASU at the five, and it'll put them against Cal in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament, Duh. which that should be a blowout win. ASU 2-0, though, gives them the four. Correct? No. Oregon, Oregon has Oregon the, controls their own destiny. Well, I think. no. If, no well, Oregon then if they controls go 2-0, yeah. then they control their own because, destiny. Because... Uh, Oregon what? beat Oregon beat UCLA and Arizona too. Oh wait, no, Oregon didn't beat UCLA. Scott, Scott, think Scott. about it simply. If Oregon ASU, Scott, look at me here, Scott. If ASU goes two and zero, do they control their own destiny? As in, if they go two and zero, are they the four seed? They, they're the four because they're in fourth right now. Correct. That's what I was trying to set up. Hold it, on one second. There's no mathematical way if they go two and zero this weekend and they went out for them to not get the four. Hold on one second. Basically, so, what I'm trying to ask okay, is okay. According to the tiebreaker rules, actually, if ASU goes two and zero and USC loses to Arizona, ASU could go as high as the three. It's actually possible. Yeah, it is possible, but, but it's, it's not, not likely. likely. It's not likely. Yeah. So, about likely outcomes here. What I'm essentially trying to set up here, Scott, though, is let's say they go one and one. They're the five seed. They beat Cal. Mm-hmm. That's two wins out of three. The Cal win does not move the needle. No, not they at They would all. still need to win. They need they to get to the to semi. The crucial yes. thing is here. They need to win one of the next two, and then they need to get to the Pac-12 semifinals. Yes. If they go 0 for two, they need to get to the Pac-12. Title game, correct? Is that if that's they what go you're for two, they may need to win the Pac-12 title okay. game too. It, they mm. might. It depends on what else happens. Exactly. Yeah, but it needs to be. So, they need to at least get to the title game if, if they go over two. The Pac-12 semifinal is pretty much a must. If, yeah. If they if they lose two close games to LA and get to the title game and lose in the title game, how are they not in? I mean, it depends on the other teams as well, especially when you're on the bubble. You know, it's all about who you're going against, any bid stealers, like all of those. Those factors. I think. I think if they win one of these next two, I don't want to say lock because obviously a lot of a lot of stuff can happen. But you gotta be feeling like pretty good picking up another quad one win, especially if Michigan ends up moving to, to a quad one because then you're up to like six and you'd be. I think right now we're four and two in the quad one when I checked earlier today. So you move up to six and three in the quad one as a twenty win power five. Or power six team. It's pretty it's good. Tough to, it's tough to leave out. But, I mean, the biggest thing holding them back, I think, is the metrics, which are tanked by a game against San Francisco that they lost by a forty. <laughs> and, Texas and then the Southern. Texas Southern game, which was the third game of the year, first game without Marcus on the road in front of like twelve people. I like, stand by that <laughs> Texas Southern game is a great is a great scheduling job from Hurley, but like it was. It's, well, it, it was a thing the conference was doing, right? It was yeah. the there was, yeah. That's good. Good for the. That's why it doesn't happen often because you had the Pac-12 get swept on the road at the SWAC schools. But that's their biggest game. Texas Southern is yeah. never going to get a Power Five that's, team at home if, again. If you're a, a member of the committee looking at the bubble teams beyond just the numbers, you're deep diving into ASU's quad four loss against Texas Southern. You're going on the road, a team that's playing their Super Bowl, their national exactly. championship game, and also it's not it's not a team that never plays anything beyond the thirty games. Texas Southern's in March. They're a tournament environment. They're a team that's used to the tournament environment in some capacity every Dayton year. Legends. They're Legends. not. They're not a tournament team, but they're a tournament team every year. They get they, they get yeah. that experience. I'm looking at that game, going, okay, it's quad four loss. That sucks. Right. But it's probably as good of a quad four loss as you'll find. Yeah, and especially, I mean, I feel like on the road it's tough for because quad four losses get at least when I hear 
bracketologists and, and different discourse about college basketball they get like pointed out so it's so negative I'm like on the road like that I feel like on the road it's not the same at all like in 2015 Michigan State lost to Texas Southern at home and they made it to the final four the same yeah. year like and especially when you have a 30, 30 something game season to to have one game one overtime game weigh you down that much with college kids and we know the, the difference between game three of a season on the road compared to quad four games like losing like what Clemson has I think two of them they lost like Louisville <laughs> yeah and, like you know like those those are are completely different I feel like but everything needs context and it's tough when you're the committee judging so many different teams to like look you can't look in depth at every team based for, for seeding and bubble purposes unfortunately yeah so sorry Gavin uh, so here's Arizona State's numbers you guys have been referencing. They're 61st in net right now. Quad one, they're at four and two. Mm-hmm. Michigan goes up. That's a fifth quad one win right there. And, yeah, four and six in quad two. Undefeated in quad three and then seven and one in quad four. So there you go, Scott. Speaking of, like, so we said ASU's, like, kind of rose from the dead a little bit. A team that's fallen from the graces is Auburn. Like, mm-hmm. this was a team that looked like, well, like a six seed a month ago. And now, in my opinion, they they might be out right now. Because, I mean, they played a great game at Alabama tonight. Probably the best game they could play. But in the end, enough. they didn't. But it wasn't enough. Exactly. No one can handle that Bama team. It's almost like they can't. You can, but sometimes it's remarkable that pace that Alabama plays with. It's hard to hang. And Auburn, looking at their uh, metrics in the net right now, they are 37th, but two and eight against quad one teams. Mm-hmm. They haven't won their big games. Probably, what, two and nine now, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, two, two and nine. nine. Yeah, it's just and it's all about their guard play, which they've had to run through, and even that's been inconsistent. We don't know how good Katie Johnson can really be, or Wendell Green can, and he's basically had to carry the team. Respect but, Wendell Green. <laughs> fair enough. But <laughs> Detroit legend. Looking at their schedule, their only like quality wins is a November win against Northwestern by one in a game that was in the forties and in a different country. Yeah, and against a Northwestern team that I believe at the time was nothing like this Northwestern team we're looking yeah. at. Yeah, now. they, they, they like were nowhere so near. Good, but they were they were, they were not what the they are. Yeah, yeah, and an Arkansas team at the beginning of conference play that had just lost Nick Smith. Mm-hmm. So, not there is no real eye popping win here, and they gave it all they could tonight, but it wasn't enough. And Saturday they got blown out by Kentucky. Yeah, it was bad in Lexington. Vanderbilt just went into Lexington and won tonight. So, I agree with everything there. The biggest number you bring up, though, is that net number. And that's pretty much going to, I think, secure Auburn. As long as they can stay above 40, I think they're looking pretty good. I think the teams you start to watch are teams like Mississippi State, teams like Memphis, who if they drop one early in the American and they don't show out well in the tournament, they don't get where they're supposed to go, that hurts Memphis a lot more than it does an Auburn team. If Auburn drops a game in the quarterfinal of the SEC tournament, it's like, well, okay, yeah, it's, they're supposed to. If Memphis drops one in the quarterfinal of the American, it's like, well, they're not a tournament team. Mm-hmm. I think those are the teams you start to compare. The West Virginias, who play in that vaunted Big 12, but I think they're in. they but, should be in too. If they're not in, I mean, Huggins' quote this week was awesome, where he's just... It was. He, I think he said, basically, something along the lines of, I'm going to find those guys, <laughs> and I'm going to make sure they never, ever 
don't stop hearing from me. He was very adamant about that. Mm-hmm. How about the Blue Blood Wisconsin, right? I mean, I, I don't understand. <laughs> Wisconsin should not be in the tournament. No, no and like I understand the circumstances in which they lost to Michigan were pretty ridiculous, but 74th in net? Mm-hmm. Like and 68th in Ken Palm. Yep, and, and they have bad. They're 150th in offensive efficiency. They didn't play necessarily the greatest uh, non-conference schedule. Well, their best. They played a decent one. Yeah, um, their, their best win, crazy. of course, is Marquette. Which your, your best win being on December 3rd mm-hmm. is not a good sign. Right, not really. it's just tough to because obviously Marquette now is looks like a fantastic win, but I mean, I think we can agree. That Marquette was a different team. Exactly, yeah. And just Wisconsin, like, Greg Gard has always done more with less, but doesn't feel like it with this team. I think, I mean, I think they're a solid team. They just, it's, the Big Ten, well, besides Purdue, is not top-heavy at all. I mean, Michigan is, is second in the Big Ten standings, and they're on the bubble. Um, but it is deep. And I think they had injuries and stuff. I don't think it's necessarily his fault. And they're not like a bad team. They just don't have the resume that should get in. And that, yeah. You, you, and you just brought Michigan. And I think it's the perfect time to talk about the Wolverines. This is a team that's gotten better and gotten hot at the right time. Them being better actually helps a team like in Arizona State. But also they're helping their own case after a couple weeks ago. Really almost a month ago at this point now. It looked like Michigan was dead. It's just crazy. I mean, it was the same thing last year, too. They popped up from the dead again. I don't know what about Jawan Howard in late February and early March gets Michigan going, but it does. And they're going to be second in the Big Ten. And Wisconsin's looking at ninth. Double bye. Which may kind of hurt. I don't know if they want a double bye. They don't get enough resume-boosting opportunities. If you're you're 17 and 12 right now, I don't know. They probably have one more regular season game. I don't don't know off the top of my head, but two two, two more. They play Illinois on Thursday, and then they close the season Sunday at Assembly Hall against Indiana. An Indiana team that just got just lost by 30 on their own court. Yeah, but the Big Ten is weird. I think you're 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 if you're an Indiana team, you can have an off night like that. Like it's that major. You if you're gonna have an off night, good Iowa is man. I'm not saying weird. Iowa's weird. That's the point. And that's also an Iowa team that just came off the hottest stretch of basketball in the history of basketball to end that last game. Look at what Michigan Iowa State, shot against so. Indiana. Like, yeah. When they do that, it's, it's, you're, you're like, okay. Yeah. You know? Purdue is the only team in the Big Ten with single-digit losses on the year. So that's, I, just, that's all I need to know. Well, yeah, it is. No, Maryland. Maryland has well, 10 Maryland losses. Tonight. Yeah, that's right. Coming tonight, and Maryland only has one conference win away from home. And... Just to back the pack real quick, you know somebody who kicked their butts at home? UCLA. <laughs> All right, we can continue. I think the most jarring thing about the Big Ten, Purdue's the one, right? And they're, they're so good. Like, the top five team in the country, no doubt. Like, we can say they're frauds, but they're still really good. They've got the best player in the country. Whether he's good or actually just tall, it doesn't matter. He's the best guy in the country, right? They have five losses in conference. They're in first. The next best team has seven losses. That's Michigan. And then you're looking at eight losses for Maryland and Iowa and Northwest. Everybody loses. They pick each other apart. It's kind of like the Big 12 has been this year. They're just picking each other off, and it's been wonderful to watch. And that very reason, I, I, I tend to agree with Preco here of, like, Michigan wants the chance to pick these teams off. They want to go to a neutral site. They want to get two games, three games before the championship. They want to get three resume-boosting wins to show you, hey, 
life on the line, we can win here, and then we can play the next day and win here, and then play the next day and win here, and then they're in the final. I think that's kind of just what you'd want if you're if you're Jawan Howard. That being said, they've played better than a lot of other teams have recently, well, yeah. so that's a good that's a good thing. And right? they're ridiculously talented. You got two probably first round picks and then a former All American on your team. Like they've underperformed all year, and now they're finally figuring it out. But one thing interesting about them on the bubble is two other teams on the bubble, Arizona State and North Carolina, they have losses to. So that I th- puts them in a tough spot. I think they'll be fine because they do have the chances, but I can definitely see it gets down to Selection Sunday and you're like, well, this Arizona State team beat Michigan by 25 on a neutral site and North Carolina beat them as well. This wouldn't be a bubble conversation without bringing up North Carolina, I feel like. it's They finally got a quad one win, but... It's How good is it? We don't know. Virginia lost by 17 to Boston College. It's a great quad one win. It, uh, it's not going to be a quad <laughs> one win much longer. Virginia's 29th in the net. So North Carolina, so they are out right now. I don't think just a win over Duke this Saturday gets them back in. No, they got to make. They got to probably beat Duke. They probably got to make a two-game stretch in the tournament. You got to beat the team you're supposed to beat, then win in the quarter. I mean, it's tricky. The ACC has not been good this year, but... If all favorites win on Saturday in the ACC, UNC would be the seven seed, which would give them the winner of Boston College and Louisville, and then the winner of that would play Pitt, then Virginia, and then the championship. Nothing screams bubble match for North Carolina must win, then they've got to play the worst Power Five team to ever exist in Louisville. They'll oh, nick respects Cal. They'll <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Louisville will nick one against Boston College. Then North Carolina will beat Louisville by twenty five, and Joe Lenardi will make him a six seed. Hey, considering the ASU women's team almost beat UCLA today, uh, you never know. Fair never enough, know. but right. yeah, North Carolina's got a long way to go. But I feel like that's the bubble has blown out now. Yeah, as it always kind of does. This Agreed. year more than usual, but it always kind of does. Agreed. Now, I feel like there's another good debate to have right here, and that's Ooh. Alabama, Houston, and Kansas are the, are one seeds right now. Oh. That's not a debate. I know where this is going. Is it Purdue or UCLA for the last one? Back I'm not the pack, right, Brico? Right, UCLA. Air? I'm not talking about right now. I'm talking about... Come selection Sunday. UCLA. Well, it, it depends on what else happens. I mean, UCLA, what do you think is going to happen? That's what okay, I'm asking. UCLA ends their season with two. Uh, well, ASU would be quad two. So you have uh, ASU, so the quad two game at home, and then you have Arizona. And then probably in the uh, conference tournament, an Ari- another Arizona game in the final. I mean, barring any craziness, which can definitely happen. It's the Pac-12. Yeah. But I think... UCLA is is a machine. They're they first of all they're second in Ken Palm, so they got the metrics behind them. Um, fourth in strength of record, fourth in the net, so all of that backs up being top four. Do not have a single loss outside of Quad One, which is is just impressive to have that consistency. Um, so they don't have any bad losses. The thing they're missing right now is is a signature win. The best win is is at Maryland, where they beat them down at their place, which is a great win. Um, but with with the end of their schedule, they have the chance to get the signature wing and even get it twice, depending on how things go in the Pac-12 tournament. So I'm I'm taking UCLA, especially since Purdue is is going to they're not winning the Big Ten tournament. I agree. I I have UCLA, and my big reason for this, I agree with everything that Freako just said. Big thing for me is defense. <laughs> UCLA's defense. They're second in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency. They're so great at defending both the interior and the and the perimeter as well. 
and I think that's big. We've seen Purdue struggle with, especially guarding the exterior at points, despite having Zach Eady down low. It feels like they've been struggling to guard the exterior and the perimeter right now. I think defense matters, and I think I take UCLA in that case. I think, for me, if the season ended tomorrow, even with Purdue kind of slumping at times, I like Purdue's resume more because the lack of signature wins for the Bruins. I am expecting UCLA to beat Arizona State, and I'm expecting UCLA to beat Arizona at home. And then it becomes, okay, what happens in Vegas? Does UCLA win in the title game? If UCLA wins the Pac-12, I think they're the one seed. Even if Purdue wins the, even if Purdue wins the Big Ten, I think you look at that UCLA game, and they're probably gonna have to play Arizona twice. And you're going, okay, well, yeah, I, I that makes sense. Like Arizona, uh, t- two wins over Arizona to close out the season. Wherever Arizona may fall is a three. If they if they lose twice to those games, whatever. I think it eventually will end up being UCLA, and I really like UCLA for the specific reason of they haven't lost a game outside of Quad One, like you mentioned, Preco. It's like fantastic. You want that from a number one seed. You want a team that you know you're going to pit up there and it's like, as long as they're not playing another elite team, they're going to get the dub. They're going to vindicate your selection of them being a one. They're going to beat the 16. They're going to beat the 8. And then when they get to the chance to play the 4 or the 5 or the 12 or the 13, they probably win that one too and they're not in real trouble until they get to the Elite Eight. Obviously no team is upset proof when it comes to March, but when you look at this UCLA team, just close so yeah. many guys have been to to the Final Four, to the Sweet 16. Mick Cronin is a great coach. They may not be the deepest team, but they are the clutchest. That's what I was about to say. They're not as deep as they have been in years past. Not at all. But they feel more sound than they have been in that team that went to the Final Four a couple years ago. Just fundamentally just down. Like, they they just play the game of basketball so efficiently. Yeah. Well, Adem Bona's still trash, though. He's he's getting better. Jalen Clark. Jalen Clark. Problem. Cool. Jalen Clark, I mean, started the started the first half of the year. I mean, on any any like Ken Palm and Torvik, if you like went and looked at the most valuable players, Jalen Clark was like I think second behind Edie for like the first half of the year. He got into a little bit of an offensive slump, but he's he's been great. And I think just with UCLA, especially for me and Anthony, who were like courtside watching that game against ASU, where they were on the ropes and how it was a a very difficult environment i mean that's the loudest dfa's been in my two years here so far and when you have what was it like five thousand students that we had about something like that yeah. i think it was that like when you have 5200 i think yeah when you have that many like students especially at arizona state um <laughs> it's a it's a tough environment and like they literally uh, besides um bona and, and singleton like no other player had any sort of facial reaction at all for like the entire game. They're just extremely mature, know how to handle environments, and really they wear you down. Um, like Kevin mentioned, being second in de- adjusted defensive efficiency, like where ASU struggled, like especially being right there, you could tell just how tired they were of having to work so hard on offense, and that wears teams down. And they've done it multiple times this year. So I think, especially in a tournament setting where you know, teams are already kind of worn down. Um, they'll just be difficult to beat. And, and to your point about kind of that straight face mentality, you can tell that Mick Cronin has coached this team like they play, like they played when Cronin used to coach Cincinnati back in the old Big East. Every hostile environment you're going into every single night, you can see that in his teams with UCLA. Just even most Pac-12 environments aren't that hostile. It's obviously it's tough to win on the road in conference play. 
But when they get to that situation, though, you can tell that Cronin's kind of instilled that hostile mindset and that hostile kind of mentality that teams have to have in order to win. And that dates back to his days at Cincinnati when he coached in the old Big East. It's it's also easier to do that when you have two guys on your team that are essentially Stetson Bennett. Like, <laughs> Jaime Jaquez and Tiger have been around forever, right? Tiger is coming back. It's, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, like, Jalen Clark is also just a dog, mm-hmm. right? Like, he's a dog. He's got that type of gene in him. When Amari Bailey plays, you can kind of sense there's a dog there. Adem Bona was kind of the one guy that was, like, flustered there in a lot of ways that day. He's matured, though. Because even Singleton that day, yeah, Preco mentioned some of the facial expressions. He seemed a little flustered moments. He hit big shots when he needed to. That 20 points. Create. He, he yeah. had a sneaky 20 points. You looked at the box score and went, Singleton had 20? The hell? Because he was wide open every time. But it's like mm-hmm. they're just pretty strongly and steadily constructed. And when you're looking at teams, again, when you're trying to make a case as a one, the word that I want the most is steady. You want to see a team that's like, that's a team that's going to win against anyone I put them up against nine out of ten times, eight out of ten times, until you get to the big stuff where everybody's even, elite eight, final four, championship game onward. Yeah, I mean, even like, I mean, like you guys said, like their composure and like their experience, like it definitely shows. Like Preco said, like, um, they Arizona State game, um, just, you know, watching that. Obviously, it was closer than what the final score says, but, um, you know, they're a team that doesn't get rattled. Even, like, the the Utah games on the road and the Colorado games, you know. Um, I think at Texas Scott, I was like, um, they just did Utah how, we, how they did us mm-hmm. in a similar way. Like, it was close. <laughs> it was I think we were, like, three minutes left. It was, like, a three-point game or something. Like, Utah cut it, and then, you know, they just they just did what they do. And even that Colorado game, I know De Silva got hurt, um, but – um, but they, they were talking about Bona. Bona got a big block at the end right there. But they're an experienced team that just knows how to close games. And like Rico said, they wear you out. So, yeah. So, for, for sure, it seems we're all pretty consensus on UCLA being a, a number one seed. But the number one overall seed, as of right now. Mm. I got it. He's got it. He got it. What do you got? Give me the Kansas Jayhawks. I, I agree. agree. I agree. Give me the Kansas Jayhawks. I think they're the number one. I think they're the best team in the country right now. I don't think that, but I think they have the best resume. I think they're the best team, and I think they also have the best resume in the country right now. 15 quad one yeah. wins. Uh, Only Texas and Baylor have more than 10, yeah. and Kansas is 15 and 5, while Texas and Baylor are almost 500. And you you go down, I mean, just the, you look at their numbers overall, it's just they're a very impressive team. Sure, they're 7th in Ken Palm right now, but they're just – they've been better as the season's gone on, and I just it's hard – I mean – Strength of records there, strength of opponents there. Like, they have the resume that you want for a number one overall seed. And plus, they know how to win. And Bill Self mm-hmm. can just go in the environment and say, hey, let's flip the switch here these last couple of weeks. That's what it felt like to me since I've watched Kansas the past couple of weeks. They can flip on a switch and just go. Well, that's because they got the best coach in the country doing that for them. I don't think that's a conversation. And looking at Kansas' Kansas Kempom numbers, like, they played – a fantastic non-conference schedule for a Big 12 team, and handled it. Like they're 25 and five. They don't have a single loss outside of Quad One. If I'm unless I'm mistaken, their only loss at home was TCU in the one explosion game TCU had. Yeah. So that they this is a team that won the national championship last year. They have a guy that can average 20 points a game, and it's I it's just 
Houston does not have the kind of opponents. They haven't played anybody since almost November. So Houston hasn't been tested like Kansas does literally every night <laughs> in the Big 12. And looking at Alabama, Alabama is, if you take a look at their adjusted tempo, I'm surprised of how fast they play. They chuck up so many threes, and they're 23rd in luck rating. I know we talked a lot about that with Providence last year. This isn't Providence-level luck, but they just chuck up threes, and they should have lost tonight at Auburn before Javon Quinterly finally found his old form. I just, Alabama does not seem like a consistent team to me. They, They just seem like a team that relies on shooting way too much, and they play through one player, just like Purdue. Brandon Miller, they play through him. If he has an off night, which doesn't happen, I know. But if he has an off night, gets hurt, gets in foul trouble, or gets suspended, they're done. Question for you, Scott, because we had this conversation leaving the show last week off, off air. We discussed Alabama, and Brandon Miller in particular, about how they run it through him. And you said if they run into a team who can stop him, who can get guys to stop them, they're, they're going to lose in March. Is there a team, though, that you can realistically say, yep, they have a guy who can stop Brandon Miller and slow him down? Yes. Who? UCLA's yeah. Jalen Clark. When would, they see, when would they see Alabama, though? In Final four. But there's one guy. Respect Devin Cambridge. <laughs> <laughs> Top 15 glue guy in college basketball. Down <laughs> What's the, what, go ahead, Scott. Continue. I want to I I hear this, though. I want to hear this. The way Brandon Miller plays is he can drive to the basket and blow right through you and do a poster jam on you, and he's also one of the best catch-and-shooters in the country. So he is so completely dynamic and can kill you in so many ways, but the supporting cast is, I wouldn't call it elite. Yeah, a lot of shooters. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Well, like, again, some of the best in the country. (laughs) Bad referencing there by Ryan Sikora, but... Okay. I didn't bring it up. I hey, was just playing Eddie, along. But, but other than Brandon Miller, Alabama has one player averaging double digits in points. I know they're a phenomenal three-point shooting team, and they have some good they have good bigs down low. But it feels like there's an over reliance on one player that does not win you games in March. But you know who doesn't have an over reliance on one guy? Let's get back to where we started this conversation. Kansas is so good. Mm-hmm. Like they're so good. They're so deep. They've got so many guys. Grady Dick. Grady Dick, Jalen Wilson, KJ Adams is a dog. Like they're KJ Adams all very been. good. Dewan Harris is a dog. They are all good at what they do, and they have the best coach in basketball. Someone, I'm not going to be Gabe Swartz here. I'm not going to throw Bill <laughs> Self into the goat debate. Ten years, twenty years, too early. Whatever. <laughs> he, he he will get there. I'm very convinced of that. At this rate, he yeah. will get there. And I'll, I'll again shout out Gabe for this one as well. He put a stat into the uh, into the Hot Boys group chat the other day. The three biggest home wins of the season for Kansas, albeit at home, but still at home, were against the teams in Big Twelve play that are placed second, third, and fourth. Who finished first? Well, Kansas did, of course. But against the teams that are their perceived closest competitors in the toughest conference in America, maybe in the history of America. They have just blown the doors off opponents. They've been better. Mm-hmm. Man, we talked about it all season in the football season with Georgia. When they had to get up, Georgia wiped everybody in football. And they won yep. the national championship. Mm-hmm. When Kansas has had to get up for games and fully face an opponent, 
Exactly. Because they've had to face people every night in the Big 12, mm-hmm. but when they really, really have to dig in and say, all right, guys, it's Baylor. All right, this is a good team. Let's go Texas, right? They just win by a lot. They mm-hmm. are so good. I think they'd be the number one today. I do think they're the best team in the country, but I don't know if they're the best team in the country by a massive margin. That's the beautiful thing is one through five is so marginal. Five through 16 is marginal. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're the best team, but you can make an argument for four other teams to be the best team. They certainly have the best resume. They should be the number one seed if the tournament started tomorrow. Yeah, and I, th- I think I talked about Houston, how I don't feel like they, ju- they just don't have the strength to schedule for mm-hmm. it. And looking at Alabama, if you look at their entire body of work, not a ton of wins have really held up. Michigan State, unranked. They North Car- lost that game, by the way. North Carolina, unranked. Houston, there you go. That's a phenomenal win. They lost to Connecticut. Yes, UConn blew them out, I might add. Boston, a shootout to Gonzaga. And no one, they haven't beat anyone really in the SEC that's really held up. Their own, the only other top-tier team in the SEC they played was Tennessee, and they lost. That's the only top, like, that's the only, like, seven seed or above in the SEC that they played. And they lost. So they got blown out by 30 at Oklahoma. That looks right. terrible that's, right now. That's the biggest difference between yeah. Bama and Kansas to me. You, they, they got blown out by, I don't know what Oklahoma is in the Big 12, but they're probably not, they're not top half, right? I think the eight, maybe? Yeah, exactly. Oklahoma's dead last. Really? Oh, because Texas Tech has had that little resurgence. So, that's so right. Bama, Bama got shelled by the, the worst team, well, dead last team in the Big 12. Uh, the worst team in the Big 12. Yeah, yeah we'll, I'll give it to Oklahoma. That I mean, was the Grant Sherfield game, though. But st- still. Kansas also went into Norman and won by 23. Right, so. like if you're comparing those two resumes, it's yeah. tough. 53-point swing. Yeah, so Kansas would naturally beat Alabama by 53 if they played today. <laughs> That's right. Hey, math. But but also, Scott, to your point about Brandon Miller, he didn't play well tonight, and they still won. He shot 3 for 12, was mm-hmm. 1 for 6 from 3. I mean, he had 17 points, but 10 of them were at the line. Yeah, and like I said, it was J- Javon Quinterly finally did something. And looking ever since but the Brandon the, Miller controversies kind of come, there's been three games since. They've won those games by 2, 3, and 5. Two of win. them at home. I know a win's a win, but South Carolina is terrible. And Arkansas and Auburn at home, you should win more comfortably than they did if you really are the number one team in the country. I don't know about Auburn. It's a rivalry game, so I kind of... Well, they also, were down for so much of the game. But also, crazy stat. I don't know if this is right. I, it might be wrong, but ESPN says that it wasn't a sellout for Alabama today, that they were a 1,000 short of a sellout, which... I do not believe that. I don't believe that, but that's kind of... If that's true, that's kind of, like, insane to me, but... Fair enough. Is that what it takes, though? Like that that JQ just stepping up in moments because yes. you can't win with one guy in March. Like uh, beyond just the yes, though. Like well, no, he. I believe, like John Rothstein says, I believe Javon Quinterly is the biggest X factor in March. Yeah, if we said that months Javon, ago on Heat Check. If though, he is the, the Javon Quinterly of old, Alabama cannot. You know what? They would win the national championship if Javon Quinterly is so. It's so a good sign then, right? Yes, it is, but the problem is it was only on a day where Brandon Miller didn't have it. No, but that's where you need it most. Exactly. That's what you're saying. Like You're, you're saying that when they run into somebody who stops Brandon Miller, they're in trouble because nobody's shown they can step up. Well, tonight they did, especially against a rivalry. You know, like I feel like but tonight again, was a good sign. Yeah. It's at home. 
I know it's Auburn happening. is not a good offensive it's team. It's still a rivalry game. But Auburn's, Auburn's season is honestly on the line. You're gonna right. get, Auburn's naturally going to get up for that game, not just because it's Bama, but, yeah, Preco said it best. They, their season was on the line tonight, and mm-hmm. it still is on the line. Yeah, fair enough. And I think when you look at Bama, another thing that goes under the radar is the only two guys that play more than 30 a night are Miller and Mark Sears. They play a lot of guys. Because they run. Because they run, mm-hmm. and they're fresh, and they're going to run you into the ground, and that's part of their style. So in a lot of ways, that UCLA game, you ask who can stop Brandon Miller, you bring up Jalen Clark, that UCLA game is going to literally be a tempo contest. How long can UCLA hold on to the ball? How well can UCLA do slowing down Bama? How much can Bama do when running? How much can they speed up the Bruins? And I think the Bruins can adapt well to that. But I think in a pace game, it is very, very crucial for Alabama in the tournament to play at their pace, which you never want exactly. with a tournament team. You want a team that is so, so chameleon. You want a team that's going to adapt to this faster pace, slower pace, a team that can defend, a team that can... You want a team that's multifaceted in every way. This Bama team, while not one-dimensional, are not the complete picture you would like out of a prospective national champion. I agree, and when you take a look at Bama, say if they get into that kind of pace battle where they play a team that plays so methodical, such as a UCLA... They are 307th in the country in turnover ratio in mm. defense. They're not going to be able to force the ball out. So if they're facing a team like UCLA that can make their shots and will hold the ball on them, they're in trouble. Can, can I say something about tempo? Yeah. So um, the only college basketball program in the last 20 years to win an NCAA championship while playing up-tempo, so 40th or better in Ken Palm's adjusted tempo metric, is UNC last year. The average, if you get rid of that outlier outlier of UNC, the average ranking of national champions tempo is 171st. So history has said that slower teams, at least when it comes to like terms of winning it all, do better in March. And Alabama's the second fastest yeah. team in the country, correct? Slower, more efficient basketball Just teams more consistent. will hold the key to this tournament. You know, like a Virginia. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you would get your Virginia plug in there. Um, I think we kind of now that we've kind of determined one seed. It's also time to determine as we get into the week of where we determine automatic qualifiers. And obviously, we'll see who the at-large bid will be about give or take 13 days, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that. Um, the conference tournament week is next week. It's beautiful. It started now. Technically, some mid majors have started this week. Bellarmine. They, I'm sorry. I had a Bellerman rant last year. Um, you should go listen to it. Bellerman should be allowed to play in the NCAA tournament. Well, they're not. Well, they're not going to make – this year's Bellerman team isn't very good. Well, I, so. I'm just saying, but last year they should have been allowed to play. Yeah, this year's Bellerman team is like the sixth seed in the A-Sun. Do you know that um, they're like the first team ever that they forced 50% or 51% of the shots taking against them this year were threes? That's so wild. That's, that's how good their pack line defense is. That's absurd. So where were you going, Kevin? You, what do you want us to do here? I, I want just each of you, we're going to go rapid fire, so we can have time for guard your man here in a little bit. Uh, rapid fire, we're going to go conference by conference. I want you each to give me who you think is going to win the major, the power six. The power six. Power six, you hear that, Preco? Power six. Power, power six. five? Oh, that means the OVC, right? No. That means no. the Mountain West, no. right? No. We're getting no. rid of the right. ACC? Yeah. No, the Missouri, the Missouri Valley. The Missouri Valley. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, Arch Madness, baby. Um, ACC. Scott, you get to go first. Who you got? Um, with the way the seeds 
could play out with just looking at how if all favorites win. My pick would probably be Miami, but if Duke is still healthy, I think that I think that could also work out. So Miami or Duke in the ACC? Brennan. Duke. They only have two losses when healthy. I trust him. Anthony. Oh, I would say, I would say Duke, but I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe like Miami gets hot and um, you know they can score with anyone. So yeah. Right. You know who the number one seed in the ACC is if the conference mm-hmm. ended today? Miami. Pitt. Jeff Cable's Pitt. No, it's my, I thought it was Miami. Pitt. Jeff no, Cable's Pitt. Pitt. If the Respect season ended Pitt. right now at 9:41 Mountain Standard Time on the first of March, Pitt would be the number one seed. 14 and 4. That being said, 14 and 5 now. That being said, I'm taking Miami. I think their guard play is emphatically amazing. Their guard play could, I mean, guard play Their guard play could get March, them man. to the second weekend, maybe even the final four. I was just it will say, get them to the second them weekend. To could get them to the final four. I'll, I'll, I'll conclude. Um, I hate to say this, but Brennan said it perfectly. Only two losses when they're fully healthy. Give me Duke. Uh, Big East, or, yeah, Big East. Call me crazy, Villanova. That's a bid stealer right there. They're God, finally you're so smart. They're Dave. finally healthy. They're finally healthy. Justin Moore is back, and they're playing phenomenal. Uh, they beat Xavier on the road. They handled Creighton and a desperate Seton Hall team, and they're going to get a quad one win this weekend when they beat UConn. And they're going to go into they're going to go into Madison Square Garden as the sixth seed. That meaning they're going to have probably Providence then Xavier. Two teams that they have played this year. In Providence, they played close both times, but didn't win. Xavier, they did beat. So I think Villanova at 16-14, and 14, if they beat UConn and then get two in the Garden, they're 19-14 and 14 playing for a Big East title. So yes, they do need to win the Big East tournament, but ever since Justin Moore's come back and Cam Whitmore's been playing great, Eric Dixon's a beast. Villanova is not a team I want to see in Madison Square Garden. And that extra motivation of having to win is so exactly. important. Needing to win. Can we can we reverse the script on Kyle he- Neptune a little bit, or are we still? They got to make the tournament. Yeah, first. we'll hold. We'll hold. Anthony. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> you skipped Preco. I thought Ryan was talking, so I was like, oh, we're gonna reverse back order. I thought Ryan, you're gonna. No, pick now. no, I was, I was just. <laughs> okay. Back I liked to, Scott's back pick, but now then. I can't pick Nova. Back to Preco, then I'll give Ryan more time to figure out his pick. Oh, I can't pick Nova. I like, I like Nova a lot. Scott and I talked about Nova a lot last night, but uh, I'm gonna go Creighton. Shout out Ryan Clockbrenner. Best big Snuggers better or Biggies? What is it? Sanction to me, Anthony. Now it's your turn. Um. I do like Villanova a lot too, like Preco and Scott said. Um, I, I think my pick would be Creighton, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe like Xavier Xavier won it. I think Sean Miller is a really good coach, and even like their their win tonight, right? Who they beat tonight? Providence. 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 Yeah, it was a pretty impressive. On the road win. too. Providence hadn't lost at home in over a year. Yeah, seventeen so games. I think I think I would say Creighton, but I wouldn't be surprised if like Xavier won it. Ryan? I think the, I guess the obvious one now is Villanova. I thought I was going to walk in and it was going to be like, oh, well, Villanova's hot, but I guess it's too obvious. You know, back against the wall, I'm taking Patrick. You, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really. Pad Mata and Butler. I really, really like this Xavier team. I think Soleil I Boom is maybe the most defining individual. He's not the most impactful player in the conference. That's Kalkbrenner. He's not the best. He's yes. not the. Yes, shut up. You don't even know. <laughs> I, I think it's Tyler Cole. It's 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 called Brenner. Stop. Oh, you just made up a name. <laughs> <laughs> the Big East Player of the Year. Fact. Made up a name. He's the best player in the conference. The most impactful player in the conference, Carl Brenner. Sole Boom is 
the most important player because he's going to impact the game final five minutes more than anyone. He's going to get the ball every possession. It's his decision, shot, or pass. I like him to lead a team that is underratedly talented for their starting five. I think Xavier also have the best coach in the conference this year in Sean Miller. Colby Jones is a beast, and Zach Fremantle's on his way back. So respect Adam Kunkel. Yeah, I I have one here. I've been I like Xavier a lot. I don't know why. I kind of like Providence. I was gonna say he's saying Providence. I I kind of (laughs) like Providence. I I like Bryce Hopkins a lot. I'm a big fan of him. So you know what? If he gets hot next week at the Garden, why not? Why not? We're the Friars. No one's picking UConn. Underdog mentality. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Five games, five days. 2011. That was a long time ago. Big Ten now. We go to Chicago for that one. Big Ten. Um, the Big Ten is crazy. Something really stupid is going to happen. And uh, I guess if I had to pick, screw it. Indiana. Yeah. Such a cop-out. <laughs> Michigan. Good pick. I like Good that. Good pick. Yeah. Ant's not uh, ready, so uh, ready. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chime in here. You say something's crazy. And you say how tight this is, and this is the dumbest pick I'll make know, all year long. Where am I going? Michigan State. No, uh, this is the dumbest. Don't, don't, this is the dumbest pick mine. I'll make oh, no. all season long. Iowa. Who's got the best player in the conference? The, dude, win it. Who's got the most important player in the conference? It's, it's, it's Jalen Pickett. Boo, boo-y. I'm taking Penn State to win the wow. Big Wait, Ten what? tournament. Yeah! Whoa! They Jaylen won tonight. Pickett show. They won tonight. The Jalen Pickett show. I mean, they 18, ha- 7, and 7. They have to win the conference tournament He's to get He's carrying in. them to the title. I don't think so. Okay. But I think they do. I, I, have, I have one here that might be hot, and I know they lost tonight. Maryland. But I but, – they're actually good this year. They're sent. They're playing in their backyard. Give me Northwestern. I was gonna say I thought he was about to take Maryland, and I was like, Maryland can't win a game uh, outside of the state lines. <laughs> no, yeah. give me Northwestern. Okay, I don't mind. Playing it. at the United Center, they're. It's about. That's about thirty minutes from their campus. It's not in Chicago. It's not in Chicago. That's why I said backyard. Chicago's Big Ten team. They are somehow yes, and they're better than Chicago's Big East team. Um. Yeah, I mean they shoot the lights out of the gym. I mean this is a, they're gonna they're placed for a double buy right now, meaning that they only have to win three games. So give me the Wildcats, and we'll go back to Anthony here. I'll go Michigan. Okay. Dub take. <laughs> no one takes Purdue. I Penn love it. State rocks. Penn State rocks. Penn State rocks. Downstairs, we go to the Big Twelve. <laughs> and Scott, you start us off. And what is the best conference in college basketball this year? It's the best conference. The best team's going to win at Kansas. Perico? Yeah, this is super boring, but I trust Bill Self, Kansas. Ant? <laughs> um, I'll go Baylor. Mm-hmm. I like that. I guess we'll go rapid. Uh, Kansas State. Really? I'll go rapid fire, too. I like Ryan. Kansas State. Kansas State. He's playing Kansas State. Kansas State is really good at basketball. I know, but... Like, it, like it's... Oh, someone just oh, called. I, I think I know who I this think is. I know who this is too. Hold like on. I exactly know who this is. It's got to be Gabe Swartz. It's Gabriel. It has to be. It could be Diesel, but it's Gabriel. But Kansas State, looking at them, yeah, they did sweep Baylor, but it's just I don't know. I think they're ahead of Baylor, mostly because they of that sweep. Yeah. Mostly because of that sweep. But I also think they're a better basketball team. 
I don't know if they're better coached, but I, I think you can competently compare them because of where Jerome Tang has been, right, the last couple of years. The only the only roadblock is Kansas, and mm-hmm. I, there's a mystique about the K-State-Kansas game this year that I, like, just eyes glued. The only game I have, like, truly, 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 like, I didn't blink for 40 minutes. That game meant out was awesome. It was awesome, and I got K-State pretty much solely for those two reasons. They're better than Baylor. I... I so desperately want them to win. And it's only right, since we're talking about the Big 12, that we welcome in our Big 12 insider. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the show, Gabe Schwartz. No, that's a shame. Do we not have him? That's a shame. Do we not have him? Kevin. Do you have a snap? I'm here. Let's go. Yes. I just figured I would call in as I embark on the two-hour drive back from Manhattan to Kansas City. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. So I, I just wanted to wanted to check in. Do we have the full crew on tonight? We do not. No, uh, no big diesel. Swenson is sick still. I believe this is the first time Gabe has called in with me in the studio, and I'm, <laughs> I'm starting to think I was the reason Gabe was calling in because you know Gabe didn't, didn't want to hear me speak. No, 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 Ryan. I, you know, we we haven't we haven't caught up in a while. I am very disappointed that the big diesel is not here as well. Um, some are saying he might be bunkering before North Carolina <laughs> It's true. Um, so I don't know. We might have to do a wellness check on the man sometime on Saturday evening. Well, you know, if he's not sick, Duke basketball might just make him just never come out of his room again. Gabe, we're, yeah. we're talking Big 12 right now. You actually caught us, like, at the absolute perfect time. We're going through who we think is going to win the conference tournament. Um, we went around the room. We got two Kansases, a Baylor, and two K states. So break the tie for us. Oh boy. Well, I will just say this: there's no, there's no two teams in the country that I've watched more of this year than those two schools. Um, and I think that I speak for literally every individual in this state when I say that. A third Sunflower Showdown this year would be probably the most highly anticipated game in the rivalry since, I don't know when, maybe 2013 when they played in the Big 12 title. Um, I, I, I can't think of another time that it, well, maybe maybe when K-State was good enough to win the conference title in 2019. But um, it, we, after seeing a little bit of what Texas did, uh, I would just say we deserve a UK state round three. And I fully expect that we're going to get it, um, given how high of level basketball we're seeing from Marquis Noel and Keontae Johnson at this point. Because I, I've come to the conclusion I'm not super high on Baylor. They just don't guard well enough long term. And I, I think streetwise they're going to miss threes. Unless they get crazy hot for three, they're not beating Kansas in the second round, and Kansas just secured the one the outright Big 12 title with Texas has lost tonight. And then, I don't know, I, I I keep going back and forth with the guys online that I work with on are we too high on K-State because we're too close to them, or are, we, or are we too bought into all of the flaws and warts in their team because we're so close? And I think it's honestly, it honestly shifted where early in the season they were outperforming expectations and it was probably a, hey, 
everybody nationally needs to wake up and be like, hey, Kansas State's pretty good. That was true. And then I think K-State got to a point where I think they were ranked fifth in the country at some point, and it was like, eh, they're probably a little too high at this point. And then it was just a slew of road losses, and I think the 23 turnover game against Texas Tech, everyone was like, all right, this team is absolutely fried. Like, they're not they're not going to – they're going to – bow out the tournament in the round of 32 and all that kind of stuff. And now they've they've kind of pieced it all back together. And I I was joking about this last week when they beat Baylor, that like if they beat Oklahoma State and they just won out, uh, that they could be a number one seed. But like it, it is not wrong to say that if Kansas State beats West Virginia on Saturday and then wins three games in the Big 12 tournament – and they're 27-7, and seven, and they're a Big 12 tournament title team, they're going to be a one-seed over Purdue. Like, that mm-hmm. is going to happen, mm-hmm. and Kansas is going to have the most quad one wins. So KU and K-State would both, would both be one-seeds. So this is all a roundabout way of me saying, I think KU would win the conference title game if they play each other again, because KU probably has a good argument that they should have won the game in Manhattan in overtime. But... They are the two best teams in the league. Like, I think K-State is better than Texas after tonight. Um, and I think that K-State is a legitimate Final Four team. Uh, and I cannot believe that those words are coming out of my mouth <laughs> to finish 10th in the Big 12 this year. So, Sounds like he's picking Kansas. Uh, Kansas. All righty. Fair. We gotta move. We'll have you stay on here for these final two Power Six conferences. We go to the SEC. We'll rapid fire this one so we can talk about the Pac-12 a little bit more. Um, SEC, Scott. We'll pick Arkansas. God, wow. really? Yep. Okay, Brendan. Healthy. Alabama. Anthony. Missouri. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> okay. I like God. It. <laughs> <laughs> he said what? Alright. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Gabe, I wish we could hear you coherently right now. Um, God, picking against Bama is so hard. I got to pick Bama. Uh, Bama, shout out Kylie and Ryan. Gabe. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. Other Ryan. I think we lost Gabe in the Kansas tundra. Yeah. Fair enough. No, I'm here. I'm huh. here. Oh, Alabama's winning the SEC title. Let's be real. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Audie, uh, time to back the pack. We go to uh, we'll be in, a lot of us will be in Vegas next week. Yours in truly. Some capacity. Um, Scott, who do you have winning the conference of champions? I thought I raved about them earlier, and I, I can't go off course. It's it's UCLA. Brennan, Washington State. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. That that's a talented team. He's a goofy goober for that pick, bro. Hope <laughs> you should take Colorado after that one. That's a team that went to Tucson and won. Anthony? Arizona State. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> the devs! Um, I did the same thing, and I kind of did say earlier on the show that UCLA would win against Arizona this week and then would beat Arizona again in the conference title game. So I guess I have to stick with UCLA and keep my guns there. The only way that I've been saying that they're a one seed for a while now, and the only way they can be a one seed is they win the conference title. Um, give I me, agree. Give me the Bruins of UCLA. Gabe, is it UCLA this year, or do you have someone else winning the Pac-12? Um, I think it'll be Arizona 
Arizona over Arizona State. I think ASU wow. is going to beat UCLA in the Pac-12 tournament. Wow. I love it. I, I, Except for the ending. but I mean, that <laughs> would be – if we could uh, – t- duel in the desert for the third time this season – well, Exhilarating. It, I don't know how much it would truly matter because ASU being UCLA, they're in no matter what. Oh, it's ASU. Of course it matters. Still, of course it matters. Yeah. But like ASU wouldn't be fighting for their life like they were last year. They'd Saturday. be fighting for their first Pac-12 title in, in program history Bobby, in any capacity. Fair Bobby enough. Hurley said it uh, about three weeks ago in a media availability. I looked up at the Raptors and they're whole, wearing a whole lot of banners up there. You could change that if that were to happen. Curly Colts <laughs> wrestling jerseys up there. <laughs> All righty. Gabe, we thank you for calling in. That's all the time we have tonight here on Heat Check. Well, Scallies and Sanks. Well, I mean, we have to be out in literally five seconds. No, we've got time. Okay. Fine. We, who, no do. one follows the 57 minute rule. Can shout I out. Give a shout out. Hey, shout out. Shout out, Shit. you guys, for being a play featured show of the week. Love you guys. All right. Adios. Thank you, Gabe. Thank you, buddy. Without you. Um, I got <laughs> I got a sanction real quick. Oh. To whoever oh. runs the Blaze Instagram for on the show of the week spelling my last name wrong. Oh. They put That's one me. L that was me. My bad, bro. My bad, bro. <laughs> Ant, what's your shout out? I want to give a shout out to Sac State men's basketball. Yeah! They, <laughs> they got a bye to the Big Sky quarterfinals for the first time in school history. They shout out David Patrick, his first year as a head coach. So. W. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. No. I was just going to give a scholarship to Walker Kessler for. <laughs> Gracing our presence in the studio today uh, in the form of a trading card. Um, and my, my sanction is to the weather of Arizona for raining. For real. Uh, because I don't like rain. But I do oh, like rain, it. but not in Arizona. Yeah, I agree. That threw me off. Um, scholarship to Long Island University for being the 363rd team in the net rankings. Worst in college Go Sharks. basketball. I was at the game. They played UConn. How was that? Hilarious. That's what I figured. Was it worse than tonight's display? Oh, yeah. Scholarship to DePaul, by the way. Great outing, fellas. <laughs> Please end the show. God. No, I, I, it, that was funny. I just, just couldn't help but laugh. It was that bad. Um, yeah, but yeah, no. Scholarship to LIU for being the worst team in college basketball this year. Congratulations, Shark fans out there. W. W. That's all the time we have for each check. Wait, Preco, you got scholarship? Uh, I, don't, I don't know what that's in reference to. You, 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 you give a scholarship to something you liked, and you sanction something you hated. Doesn't you got to be college basketball related. Something anything. I liked. Uh, scholarship to Desmond Cambridge for hitting the, the <laughs> shot. Sanction to um, to Scott Sanduli. Knew that for, was coming. For being a UConn fan. That's a good point. Underrated scholarship. Scholarship to Bobby Hurley for waving at the Arizona fans behind him. Yeah. And yeah, also, that was epic. Rip Kermit Davis. He yeah. will not be missed. Shed a tear. Big sad. All righty. That's all the time we have for each check. Uh, stay tuned to social media all next week long for all of our content in conference championship week. And then, obviously, week after that, it's March Madness, baby. It's March! Anything can happen in Sorry March. Sorry to your speakers. Jesus. This has been Woo! Heat Check. Sorry if you're a headphone listener out there for Scott screaming in your ears. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time on Heat Check. Blaze Radio presents...
doesn't matter if it's Sunday or a Monday, you know that we flex. True. You can never make it more obvious. You checking for the heat, that's cold. That's cold, that's cold. Get it to the top of the top of this. You can never reach uh, these goals. in the booth and we spin the truth. Aye. We inspire the youth and we get to the loop. You do what it does and we do what it do. We turn to the max and they got you on mute. You. Ooh, flow so high, so you know Aye. I had to run it back. Blazes a ball, and we run it like a running back. Gabe, bro, I try, so you know Aye. we having fun with that. Turn you in the opps, so you know Aye. we ain't no coming back. Now we done with that.